Welcome to the Public Health Networker, the official podcast of the Public Health Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno, and in this episode, we begin the conversation about public health and GIS, Geographic Information Systems, with none other than Dr. Esti Garrity of Esri. JMIR Publications is proud to support the Public Health Podcast Network and our shared mission to create an inclusive and robust scientific discourse. With over 20 years of experience in open access publishing and innovation, JMIR believes transparency is paramount to successful research and for public interest in science. Our growing family of journals includes titles such as JMIR Public Health and Surveillance and our flagship, the Journal of Medical Internet Research. For a limited time, listeners of the Public Health Podcast Network are eligible for a $100 discount using the promo code PHPN100. To learn more about us and our journals, please visit jmir.org. All right, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Public Health Networker podcast. Today we're speaking with Dr. Ezri Garrity, and she is the CMO, Chief Medical Officer and Health Solutions Director at Esri. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Esti. How's Esri? Uh, well, Esri's great. I have the best job in the world. Um, as you mentioned, I'm the Chief Medical Officer there. And so that means um, my job is pretty broad, but I could say in a nutshell, I lead strategy and messaging around how we use this geographic technology, GIS, to support health. And we define health pretty broadly, whether that's public health, which I know is your interest, or uh, health systems, or payers, pharmaceutical companies. I mean, health in any shape or form that it exists. And um, so recently we've had some, uh, to me, very exciting news. Um, I just came back from Switzerland. I was in Geneva with the World Health Organization, where they launched their GIS Center for Health uh, just last Monday. So super exciting to know that the world, uh, as evidenced by the World Health Organization, is taking this technology seriously because it has an important place in our industry. So tell us a little bit more about you. Tell us how your public health journey began. We know that you are an MD. Uh, Tell us about the public health aspects of that and how it began to connect with GIS even. Sure. Uh, A lot of um, side roads, it seemed, to get me to where I am today. Although, you know, it's always when you look back, you think, well, this made perfect sense, even though going through it, it didn't necessarily make sense. But I... I did get my medical degree and in the process of getting my medical degree, it was sort of clear early on that being a full-time clinician was never gonna be the only thing that I did. Um, I didn't have enough passion to do that as 100% effort. So while I was getting my medical degree, I also joined a master's program uh, in health informatics. So I became really enamored with computer science and the ways that that could help health leapfrog forward and do amazing things to support individual, uh, and at that time I didn't know it, but population health. So then I went off to do my residency after I finished my my two degrees, 
And uh, by the end of residency, I was getting that feeling again, like, oh, it's not going to be 100% clinical. I'm, I'm not made for that. So I had a wonderful program director who said, you know, you, you did some research before your residency, and um, I think you would be well suited to a career in academic medicine. And I had no idea how you entered that career, but he guided me to look at general medicine fellowships. And I found one called the Primary Care Outcomes Research Fellowship. And that one um, had, it was a two-year program. It was back at UC Davis, which is where I did my medical degree. And the first year was really focused on getting a master's degree in public health. And I'm a person who loves education, so there was no problem going back to school. And uh, then the other part was really applying that public health education to my clinical knowledge and, uh, and doing some health services research. So I have to say though, in my master's in public health program, I did not know a lot about public health. I didn't do that master's degree because I loved public health. I did it because it was part of a fellowship I was in, but it changed my life. And I immediately grew to love public health. And, and there was a course in my first quarter called Public Health Informatics. So if you remember back, I got an informatics degree while in medical school, and now I'm back sort of applying that knowledge to a public health side of this industry. And I was so excited, and there was one lecture on GIS. This was in 2005, and, and I was blown away. It was very visual, which I'm a visual person, and I just saw the utility immediately. So, um, so I changed my whole career. I decided my research was going to be focused on this methodology of using geographic technology to solve health problems. And so I taught at the university level in GIS and spatial epidemiology. I did all my research in GIS. And then, of course, I did my 25% of clinical effort on the wards and in general medicine consultations. Um, so I, I know that was a very, very long part of the story, but it was really important as a foundation because from uh, after a decade of being in academic medicine from all that educational groundwork, um, there was an opportunity that arose at the California Department of Public Health. And a colleague suggested that I might be right for that opportunity. I did not think so. <laughs> I read the qualifications and I said, oh, no, that's way beyond my skill set. Uh, nevertheless, with some nudging, I applied anyway, and uh, I recall during the interview, I, I told them, you shouldn't hire me. I'm not right for this, but they did. So, so I went into public health, and, um, and I loved it. And we did great things at the California Department of Public Health, particularly focusing on open data. So I had the opportunity to lead our open data efforts, which, of course, included geographic data. And uh, I was there for about 15 months, and then Esri recruited me. So I've spent the last seven and a half years at Esri as the chief medical officer, combining all of my loves and passions to uh, to support this amazing industry with technology. Oh, I, you know, I'm also a fellow informatics enthusiast. And so this is wonderful to hear that you've been able to pave and direct and guide your own way that meets all of your interests and um, having that lead you to Esri. So we're excited that you're at Esri as well. So can you tell us about some of the ways that GIS has supported public health? Give us some of those examples. You know, I, I don't know 
how much your audience knows about GIS, what GIS is. Uh, the letters stand for Geographic Information Systems, and GIS is about geography. And geography as a science, if you were to define it in a nutshell, helps us answer questions about what is where, why is it there, and why do I care? Uh, so, so it's about people and places and their interactions and what that means. So we can apply this geographic approach to public health in a number of ways that support the 10 essential public health services. So through data collection needs and data management infrastructure, we can support innovation with analytics and population level of assessments that ultimately provide insight into outcomes and gaps that may exist in public health resources or people's ability to access those existing resources. We can help with supporting policy development, um, public communication and transparency, very much like I did with open data, and stakeholder collaboration and engagement. So many times we take all of those essential public health services and patterns of technology usage and we combine them to create uh, what we call configured solutions. So we take the technology, we take the public health need, and we develop a workflow. And so we've done that kind of uh, effort to support modernizing the homeless point in time count to provide resources to address the opioid epidemic. We've digitized restaurant inspections according to the new FDA requirements, and we've put together an entire workflow to support the pillars of integrated uh, pest management to support the reduction of vector-borne disease with things like education, uh, disease surveillance, prevention, and mitigation. So there's a lot we can offer to public health and it keeps us very busy. I love hearing all of these examples. I mean, you've mentioned some examples that I hadn't quite thought of before. Uh, for example, volunteering in the past with the homeless count in LA County, I hadn't even considered how we could map some of the sites and things that we could do with that information and how we can provide resources and support. So uh, we do know that recently there was the Esri Health and Human Services Conference at Esri in Redlands. Uh, could you tell us about it? Uh, what are some of the highlights? Oh my gosh, um, you have me tempted to recount the entire event because <laughs> there were hardly any low points. It was it was a, a lot of highlights, but I'll give you some of what I thought were high-level messages and then a couple of my favorites. Some of the messages that I think came through through ESRI presentations and user presentations were how our world is so interconnected and in order to make progress to scale our efforts in public health uh, and health as an industry, we have to collaborate more. And we don't necessarily have all of the policies and governance in place, but it is useful to have technology tools that can really facilitate a more holistic viewpoint and collaborative efforts. There was a lot of talk about some of the perceptions about GIS technology. Now, I, I will tell you, April, I got a degree in GIS. I got an associate's degree in GIS. And there is a perception that this technology is pretty challenging to learn. And uh, so we had some presentations that showed that, you know, even during a pandemic, even during a crisis, uh, the technology is learnable. And for those who maybe haven't used it in a while or haven't used some of the 
web GIS tools, we've put a lot of effort into making it a bit more intuitive, a bit easier to get things done. And uh, so that's good. We also heard about something public health is going to care a lot about, which is how can you use geographic technology to support workforce planning and recruitment and retention of the workforce? We all know what the pandemic has done to the workforce in general with the great resignation, but so specifically to public health. Um, it's been devastating to see the loss of talented people in public health jobs. So GIS can support that. And that was a really innovative talk that we heard. There was a lot of discussion about the importance of storytelling and how there's something about maps and geography that draw people in and connect them to a place that is a nice beginning of, of a story and that stories are more likely to move people to action than data points without that contextual information. So a lot of discussion about storytelling. And in fact, we had uh, Caitlin Yarnell from the National Geographic Association um, talk to us about how to tell a good story. So that was really fun. Um, we also had discussions about the use of technology. I think there's also perceptions, if we think about it very uh, quickly and generally, that technology is cold, right? I mean, you might think of binary notation and ones and zeros and um, metal or silicon and, and technology is cold, but we had amazing presentations about how technology can be humanizing and inclusive when it's used right. And one of my favorite presentations in that regard came from folks from uh, the art installation called In America Remember. And maybe some of your listeners have, uh, have a recollection of this. This was an art installation at the National Mall in Washington, D.C., last September, October timeframe. And it was created by artist Suzanne Brennan Furstenberg, who is a, a social practice artist, meaning that she's always got a message in her art. And what she did was, uh, with a group of about a thousand volunteers, plant small white flags in remembrance of each and every person in the U.S. who died from COVID-19. During the installation, there were over 700,000 flags at that, that time. Of course, we all know where we've topped a million uh, deaths at this point. But what Suzanne talked about and another uh, colleague, Sarah Wagner, who's an anthropologist at George Washington University, did some analysis of the, the content of the flags, which I'll explain in a moment. Um, it, it was amazing. So the GIS part of, it was, part of this was that we created a digital twin of the entire installation, and we had uh, survey tools where anybody in the country who lost a family member or a friend or anybody they cared about to COVID-19 could dedicate a flag in their honor. On the other side in DC, we had volunteers who wrote the message on the back of the flag, uh, or I might say on the front of the flag, they put a little code on the back of the flag, and then we geolocated each flag in the installation and took a picture of it and waved uh, amongst the sea of flags. And then immediately, as soon as we submitted that geolocation, an email was sent to the person who dedicated the flag saying, you can now search for it and find it in the digital installation. So people who didn't have the time or the resources to be able to share their mourning uh, and take part in this national uh, effort to show the tragedy in a more visceral way, 
uh, could participate and it was very meaningful for a lot of people. So, so that was a powerful presentation. We talked about, uh, like I said, I can go on and on, GIS for advocacy work. And we had this um, tremendous presentation from a, a colleague of ours at Esri, Pat Dolan, who suffers with ALS and folks from the ALS Association, uh, as well as some of our technical uh, people, Amanda Stanko in particular, who put together these advocacy maps that helped move Congress to pass the act for ALS. So that act has been tremendously beneficial and the storytelling and the maps really made a big difference. So it was an amazing event. And what I will uh, tell you and all of your listeners is that we recorded it. Um, so if uh, people would like to see some of those videos, partake in some of those inspirational and uh, sometimes heartbreaking and sometimes highly motivating presentations, they will be able to do so. Just really excited about the content that you shared. And I mean, I was not expecting to hear this level of feeling and this level of application um, to humanity, literally, um, from the work that's being done at the conference uh, that's being presented. So I'm so excited. I really believe in the power of impacts for GIS or from GIS uh, for human impact. And so uh, what do you think is the future of health GIS from what you've seen? That's a great question and, and certainly requires a fair amount of speculation. Um, and I think I could say so many things, but I think I'll focus on some of the shorter term things. Of course, in the longer term, I hope that GIS is a part of every decision that we make in health, that it becomes a natural part of our workflows and our processes. But let's talk about the short term and, and what we're seeing. I think the pandemic has really opened people's eyes to the value of GIS and through things like the Johns Hopkins dashboard and many other copycat um, in the nicest way, useful dashboards that people used to track the pandemic in their localities, people started to get that web-based GIS was very useful. You could connect a number of tools. You, you could house your dashboard in a hub tool that provides communication to your uh, constituency. So there were all sorts of um, ways that web GIS tools make it, make it a system. It's much more connected. So, uh, and I would say even workflow focused. Whereas a lot of people in the past were uh, using desktop GIS alone to create a map for a research project or a grant proposal um, or to explain a thing, but it didn't connect to other things. It was a static document. So web GIS, it's interconnected. Um, and I think people are developing awareness. What they also need to develop, I think, is the capacity, the governance, the culture of sharing and collaborating. Um, we need obviously more trust among jurisdictions so that that collaboration can happen. Um, but WebGIS makes those things possible. So that's number one. I have three. Number two is spatial analysis. So through the pandemic, there certainly was analysis, but not as much, I would say, GIS analysis. So we saw more map-based representations of data and data collecting, and like I said, hubs and sharing of information. But we need to move beyond that. And I think analysis 
is fundamentally different from traditional kinds of statistical analyses. And it takes advantage of that concept of spatial autocorrelation, meaning that near things are more similar than distant things. And that's hugely important and hugely valuable. So we've got to go beyond map-based representation of data alone, get into the analytics. I think the focus, uh, and this will probably be obvious to everybody, needs to be surveillance. Right? Surveillance, uh, we need to do better. There's a lot of money and effort supporting our country's ability to do better. And it requires a holistic approach. It requires making sense of multiple data inputs. It's not just your cases on a map creating a dashboard and looking at it in multiple ways. It's that with real-time data, but what about your internet of things, all of your sensors out there that can provide more information, the surveys and different things that you do that can add the lived experience to provide more context to the things you're studying. I mean, there are so many ways to combine data points um, and GIS is a natural at doing that because we think in layers, we think of holistic systems coming together. So I think surveillance is a really great use case for doing that. And then the third area is privacy and security. So GIS has come a long way. When it comes to privacy and security um, at Esri, I can, I can speak mostly to our own efforts and software. The idea of geographic information by itself, when you think of healthcare privacy laws, you realize that geography can be a barrier to doing any kind of analysis with personal data. And HIPAA, I'll just say it, the, the law in question, um, scares a lot of people. And so rather than learning the methods that allow us to use geographic data, a lot of people have just a perception that we cannot do it. So we've been working on lessons, for example, that help people understand the different ways that you can use data, whether you're aggregating it or moving data points to mask personal location information. Um, there are several different techniques. So, so lessons that help people learn how to do those. Uh, we have that. We've also tightened up the security of our cloud-based GIS so that you can, in North America, do geocoding of protected health information in the cloud. So you do that from your desktop software, but you port the data to the cloud, it geocodes, it comes back to your desktop. You don't store it in the cloud. But soon uh, we are working on that cloud infrastructure to make that fully supportable as well so that you could do all of your work, even with PHI in the cloud. Uh, so look for that to come in the next year to year and a half. Um, so privacy and security is a big deal. It's like I said, it's both awareness so that people know what they can do and it's tightening of any technology company's infrastructure um, and, you know, making that transparent to users to say, yes, we deem it compliant with current regulations. So you talked about, you know, things like um, security and privacy. You talked about spatial analysis. Uh, maybe in two to three sentences, could you review those three points of the future that you see? You bet. So I think moving to a web-based GIS so that you can take advantage of all of the interconnected tools and work in a more sustainable way with workflows rather than individual map projects. So that was my first point. My second point was uh, spatial analysis, as you mentioned. 
So making use of that um, ability to get at root causes of uh, any of the public health challenges we face from a spatial perspective and how I think that that spatial analysis effort should be focused on surveillance methods to begin with, um, partly to solve the issues of complexity that come with multiple inputs of data. And then the privacy and security, as I mentioned, I think it's a two-part issue there where we need to build awareness among people that you can actually use geographic data and you can do it safely with uh, proper procedures and that people need to be aware of the architecture of whatever technology they use and how Esri is paying close attention to our architecture to constantly improve the safety of it so that uh, it can host protected health information. So thank you so much for that information, uh, Dr. Garrity. So how can we learn more about Esri? How can we connect with you and learn more about health and GIS? That's a great question um, because we're always sharing information and there are many ways to do it. So hopefully something that, uh, that will appeal to, to anyone. First, I would say uh, follow us. Um, you can follow us on LinkedIn, on uh, follow me on LinkedIn. You can follow us on Twitter. So I'm at, at SD Garrity and we also have an Esri Twitter handle, which is at Esri underscore health. Um, on Instagram, I'm also just SD Garrity, and, uh, but people will have to figure out how to spell my name. People can email me at uh, egarrity, which is G-E-R-A-G-H-T-Y at Esri.com and get on our newsletter or ask me specific questions. I'm always happy to answer uh, any questions that I can to help out. And like I said, going to be plenty of stuff happening on, uh, you know, with regard to conference things coming out. So definitely pay attention. LinkedIn is where I post most often. But don't forget to start our Esri Health website, which is super easy. It's esri.com forward slash health. And we have our different focus areas on there. Um, we have different use cases from customers and what they've done with GIS and lots of current information. So those are some of the best ways to keep in touch. I, I'm, I'm gonna add one more, April, um, that I wanted to make sure people knew about. I have this passion project that I've been working on, which is building a health GIS curriculum so that anybody who wants to learn how to use GIS for health has a 35 hour program. So kind of equivalent to a certificate that uh, they could work on and and really have from an expert perspective the key lessons they need. Um, what we normally do at Esri is share, you know, a thousand hours of of educational material, and you have to figure out for yourself which ones are are best to do. But we've done that work for you. To find that curriculum, you can of course email me or simply Google Esri Health Modernization Curriculum. It's available uh, in six languages, actually, oh. and uh, totally free and software. You can download a free trial of the software so that you can start getting your hands on it and figuring out how to use it. 
Wow, wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about all the different resources that are available to the public, to agencies, people who work in public health and in health GIS. Thank you so much for sharing this information. And I am looking forward to watching this conference recording of the Health and Human Services event. Sure, issue. I mean, used plenty of tissue during the event, there quite a few touching presentations. Um, but we also had a presentation that, uh, let's see, I should tell you the exact title of it. I have it here. Um, this one was totally worth seeing. It was called The Proof is in the Poop. GIS brings wastewater surveillance to life. So um, topics just across the spectrum, but uh, some fun things as well. Thank you so much for all of this wonderful information and the stories you've shared with us today. I really enjoyed hearing about your story about how you got involved in public health and GIS. All the best to you over there at Esri, and I'm so excited about everything you do there. Uh, thanks for having me, April. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Public Health Networker podcast. To learn more about us, visit publichealthpodcasters.com.